Set yourself a New Year goal, they said. It'll be fun. <sighs> Perhaps swimming in the Irish Sea wasn't such a good idea. Set a more achievable goal, like taking control of your finances with personalised money insights in the Bank of Ireland app. It'll help keep track of your spending, like changes to bills, or you might have too many subscriptions. See your tailored money insights, because your financial well-being is our priority. Bank of Ireland. Begin. Bank of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Terms and conditions apply. Great. There goes my towel. The Left Wing, brought to you by Bank of Ireland, a proud sponsor of Irish Rugby. Never stop competing. This is an Irish independent podcast. Andy Farrell has named his final Ireland team of the November series for this weekend's game against Australia and there are plenty of talking points to discuss. Welcome to the Left Wing Extra. Will Slattery here. I'm delighted to be joined by Rory O'Connor. Some of the team headlines. Stuart McCluskey starts for the third game in a row. Jimmy O'Brien gets the nod on the wing ahead of Robert Balakoon. Joe McCarthy is on the bench for his first cap, potentially as is Bundiaki returning after that ban. Rod, for you, what's the kind of the standout from today's team selection? It was flagged, but I still think it's a big deal that Stuart McCluskey is getting the nod ahead of Bundiaki. Um, I suppose it's the right message to be sending that, you know, a player who got himself suspended and missed the first uh, two games as well as a big chunk of the season through his own indiscipline isn't going straight back into the team but I did think after last week and the I wouldn't blame McCluskey for dropping standards but I did think the overall team performance was so poor I thought Farrell might shake it up by you know and without Robbie Henshaw he might look to go to Aki who's been such a consistent performer over the years uh, for Ireland and for Farrell and who had a big impact over New Zealand now I mean, having him on the bench is, is, is a nice thing to have. Obviously, he's played very little rugby this season as well, but he's always started well. But it's a real endorsement of what McCluskey's brought to the table since he's come in. It's an endorsement of what McCluskey's done all season, really. So to me, that's the you know the that was the big headline selection for me all week. I think I expected 95% of the team. O'Brien getting the nod against Balakun, I wouldn't say I'm shocked by that, but I probably didn't see it coming. I thought this was a window as a chance to invest in Balakun and give him some time. But maybe he just hasn't, particularly against Fiji, like... He just, I don't really remember that many involvements for him. I don't think he, I thought he was okay against South Africa. I thought he showed up well in a, in a game that really wasn't suited for him. But Fiji was, a, you know, we were probably expecting a more open game in Ireland mold, an awful lot of ball. But still, you know, did he do enough to keep his jersey when O'Brien has actually had a very good window and, and, and gives you that left foot as well, gives you that option to kick the ball with his left foot that, that, yeah, they don't have when they go with Hansen and, and um, Balakun on the wings. And, and, you know, it turned out to be a, a bit of a blessing when he came on against South Africa for that reason. So um, not controversial at all, really. I thought maybe Max Deegan might get a go ahead of Jack Conan. But Conan has a lot of experience. And I think it's, a, you know, we've been waiting for Jack. You know, Joe McCarthy's debut has been an inevitability really for, a, for about the best part of a year now. They rate him really, really highly. If he hadn't been taken off for a head injury against um, the All Blacks A on the eve of the South Africa game, he would have played, I think, against Fiji, certainly off the bench. So he's going to... Will Skelton just walked by me at the Australian team hotel. Uh, he's going up against one of the, the biggest and baddest second rows in the world, and they're going to come on around the same time, I'd say. So that's a big test for him. And, you know, he's highly regarded both by Leinster and by Ireland. So he's... Uh, you know, I think he's seen as a string to Ireland's bow ahead of the next World Cup that, that you know, the one player probably could come in from the outside and make a big impact. One question that probably won't be answered fully until after the game, but now that we've seen the kind of the three team selections from the three matches, what do you kind of make of what Andy Farrell has decided to do with this window and how he selected his team? I think windows and yeah, you know, I think I think that the window is is, is closing, you know, and, and 
there was I think he handed out eleven caps in his first season, twelve in his second season, and in his third season he will have seven by the end of tomorrow night's game. So you see, even in the numbers wise, that he's he knows what he has. Like he know he's he doesn't really feel the need to go and start capping people, throwing out caps just to, for the sake of it to try and find one gem. I think he knows what areas he needs to get better at. Um, I think it's reserve tight. Sorry, reserve loose head. A bit more experience in reserve tight head would be nice. The out half situation is the out half situation, and we've talked about that enough over the years. But like, obviously, Jack Crowley's now emerged. You know, it's a bit of a revolving door. Ross Berm is there during the week, um, and McCarthy gives you that second row bulk that can really complement what they have in terms of Ryan Byrne and Henderson, who are the top three, plus Treadwell, who's been quite consistent for them as well. I think Ryan Baird is another player who could come into the mix there for that kind of hybrid four six um, lock. He was having a great season until he got injured, but. Um, I think we're seeing that in most positions, you could pick the World Cup squad tomorrow and I don't think you're going to be very far off. Um, obviously, there's room for form, there's room for injury to step in and you know, upset the apple cart there. But I think you know, he, he has a settled team. It's a very good team. It's a very high-performing team. Um, and he's made it quite hard to get into it. And, you know, apart from those concerns about depth in certain positions, if he can get those players fit to the World Cup fit, I think Ireland are in a really good place. Yeah, because if you look at how Andy Farrell has managed the last say, six months or so, you had the two A games, you had Emerging Ireland, you had the A game on the eve of the South Africa game. He was casting his net out, but as he's reeled it back in, he's kind of decided he didn't like really what he brought in. Some guys maybe didn't perform as well as he was hoping for. So he's probably narrowed his focus, as you mentioned there, in some ways. Obviously, still has a, wants to keep guys on their toes, but he kind of has just set a stall out for maybe 10, 12 guys, and there's probably only very minimal room unless there's an injury or a drastic dip in form. He seems, as you say, kind of he's nailed his colours to a certain selection now. Yeah, I mean, what he has done, you know, that, that wasn't there before was he put in extra fixtures for, for the A-team plus the Emerging Ireland team. So he hasn't had to cap players to find out about them. He, you know, he's had them in New Zealand. He had them in that New Zealand A game. Um, before the South Africa game, he's you know he had an you know he wasn't in South Africa for that emerging Ireland tour, but his coaches were, and you know Jack Crowley's the big winner out of that. Kim Prendergast was there as well, and he's got a cap in, in this window. So, you know, I don't think there's any bar going back to someone like you know say John Cooney or someone you know someone who's kind of consistently excellent for for provincial level, but it's just not flavor of the month in this setup. I don't think there's anyone who hasn't been capped in this window that you'd be jumping up and down saying he should have got a go. I mean that A game was quite damaging to a lot of players. The summer. You know, really what you're looking at is, you know, could they have got Jacob Stockdale a cap during this just to get him back in amongst it, get him a bit of international rugby? And maybe injury got in the way of that, but they know what Stockdale offers. But, like, he's going to find it really hard to make the World Cup now because James Lowe will be back for the Six Nations. And that's, you know, that's a competitive area. So, you know, Jimmy O'Brien covers about five positions, so he's probably going to go. You've got, you know, Balakun's had had his go now. Hansen's obviously a very reliable operator who does really well for them. So, you know, the, the prism of the kind of, if we're looking at, at this through the World Cup prism, there are players, I think, who are very, very good, who are starting to get very, very worried about whether they'll be in France in, in, in t- 10 months' time. It's funny how you can look at the way a coach selects and kind of have different viewpoints on it. Like, so you look at November last year, Farrell kind of did a similar thing to this year. He basically went with the same team for three weeks in the All Black series in the summer, same team basically for three tests, same team for three weeks here. I feel like if this was a Joe Schmidt era, you know, people would be hopping up and down saying, oh, he always has his favorites. He does this, he does that. Now, I know the team is playing well. They've had a lot of big victories, so it's not the same, but it's just funny how you can kind of look at two things and kind of 
draw different conclusions. I know the context is, is a bit different, but it was a real. It, and it was same was said of Eddie O'Sullivan. Same was said of other coaches in the past that they had their favorites and they they didn't give other guys a chance. It's definitely a bit of a concern. I think he has refreshed the team over the course of the win of the the, the windows that he's had. Like you know, he's been in charge for three years now. The age profile, apart from out half, the age profile is very, very good. And, and probably Keane Healy is being the kind of veteran, the other veteran in the team. And you can't argue against picking Johnny Sexton for this game. He's, you know, I think there was a case to be made for Carberry to start. Do you think, think Carberry would have started if he was fit? I don't really, to be honest. I think there's a case to be made for it. And maybe they might have considered it. If he'd gone really well against Fiji, they might have said to Johnny Sexton, look, I know you've only got three more games at the Viva Stadium playing for Ireland if you if you don't continue on. Um but we really think it's important that Joey, having played well last week, starts. You'll be back for the Six Nations. I think that would be a conversation they could have had. But I really don't think. I, I think Sexton, we, with that chip of sale, Sexton's the most powerful man in the room. He's the most important man in the team, and they kind of need to like they've reached a point now where it's basically about doubling down on Sexton and just you know, there's a bit of cross your fingers and, and hope that he hope that he makes it. But apart from that, I think the, the team is he has freshened it up in in certain areas. They play a really exciting brand of rugby. Like what the one thing that I think has insulated from criticism is that we don't hear the same noises that we used to hear behind the scenes about the Schmidt regime. There's not the same level of kind of grumpiness amongst players. Like we used to hear behind the scenes that players were annoyed or, or going home from camp annoyed or and you, you had kind of players who, who, who were, you know, who wouldn't, wouldn't go on the record about it, but you were aware that there was a bit of disgruntlement behind the scenes about the way things were going. So you don't hear that about the Farrell set, setup. I mean, people, the players are really um, buying into this, and that's what gives you a bit more confidence that come next year they won't run out of road in the same way. You know, he's created a very strong environment, a very strong team ethic. Um, he's quite ruthless as well. Like he's, you know, he's he's been quite ruthless in terms of kind of casting guys aside. It's hard to argue. Like as I said earlier, there's no one, there's no cause to lab here. There's no one that you could really go. That guy has to be in. Maybe like someone on based on form. You know, Luke McGrath could be someone that you could pick ahead of Craig Casey. You know, John John Cooney's in better form than Craig Casey. But like you know, if you're arguing about the reserve scrum half, really, you're kind of you know, it's not a it's not a an argument that anyone's going to really listen to you about like you know for long. So I do think he also you know he's not afraid to make changes for games. So I do think they'll come the World Cup. He will have it's more of a 23 than a 15, and I think that he, he will have a couple of bodies back as well, like a Henderson who'll be fit that will kind of help to freshen things up. But it's, yeah, like, I mean, you're right, there, that is a criticism that could come back to haunt you know, that's something that could come back to haunt them, but right now it's a bit of a strength. Uh, I think the style of play as well kind of insulates them, you know, even. When Joe Schmidt won those first two Six Nations in particular, I remember there were grumbles. People were questioning the style of play and saying, oh, well, we're winning, but is it really that exciting to watch? I don't think that was actually hindsight, but people coming out and saying that. I think at the time, even people were kind of like, well, you know, it's not that easy on the eye, whereas just I think people are a lot more willing to kind of accept it. I I think the one concern I'd have about this win, though, is that the rugby hasn't been fantastic. I mean, like, obviously, a lot of people, sorry, they were given a pass against South Africa because South Africa brought incredible line speed incredible physicality and forced Ireland into a game that that they played that sorry that they forced them to play a game that, that that they don't normally play and they still came out and won but Fiji defended really well against Ireland and forced Ireland into playing a game they probably didn't really want to play and they got the win through their mall but really it wasn't that in, in, impressive the New Zealand A team came on that Friday night and, and like they showed a way of stopping Ireland by just blitzing the, the the receiver you know that first receiver who's the forward playmaker was just getting smashed every time and they cut off Ireland at source so maybe there's a bit of a concern now that having been the world leading team over the course of 2022 that other teams have put a bit of 
time and effort into analysing Ireland and have, have developed strategies to kind of shut down what has been the best attack in, in, in world rugby. Um, that's a challenge, but it's no harm finding out about that now while you're winning um, rather than finding it out in the first game of the Six Nations like they did four years ago. And, you know, in, a, in an absolute gut punch that basically they never recover from that year, the way England beat them. So, um, you know, I think this is a really... This is a tricky fixture on Saturday. I, I don't see it as a 13-point game like the bookies are, are, are setting it up as. I, I think it's a much tighter fixture than that. I think it's a real... I, Johnny Sexton was really interesting yesterday about a number of topics, but one of the things he he kind of said was like, we need to perform for this window to be a success. He didn't, it's in so many words, it was very much, they need, they, they want to flow again. They haven't flowed in this window. They haven't felt like their attacking game has, has ever really sprung into life. Apart from those like sm- those short moments against South Africa that won them the game, that second try um, and the build up to the first try. You know, apart from that, they haven't really got going in the way that they, they, they did in New Zealand. Um, the forecast is terrible. So that might not, uh, lend itself to playing that dazzling attacking rugby but I think they want to flow they want to feel like they're back to themselves so that they have something to kick out of this window for you know through the December November or December January games and then arrive at the Six Nations knowing they're confident and having momentum at their back one last question before I get your prediction and we wrap up you know the Australia team selection was named as well they went with Will Skelton and Taniela Tupo the Tongan Tor both on the bench which was a bit surprising they're obviously kind of hoping or expecting to be in the game at the hour mark what did you make of their selection and what it says about their approach well, Skelton hasn't trained fully all week and he he had a bit of a calf issue this morning but he and he started started against Italy I watched the Italy game back this morning um it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be I thought Italy were really good and and you know he's made you know Dave Rennie has brought back most of his big hitters from that game against France I also watched that today and like that was a proper test match performance and that's why I just can't believe the people are riding the bookies are riding Australia off they're they clearly have the capacity to take this 80 minutes they have the capacity to cause Ireland defensive problems they have the capacity to score from anywhere they have a good defensive mall so if Ireland try and outmauled them like they did against Fiji they might run aground and if you're bringing on players of that quality as well as you know powerful players like Falau Fainga, Pete Samu, Jordan Bataille is a really good out you know he's a game breaker that they can bring on to against tired legs this is an opportunity for Australia looking at this as, a, as an opportunity to they're under pressure they've just had a historic loss they're going to have their backs to the wall they're going to come out fighting they're going to take it you know, to 50 minutes and they'll bring on two of the most dynamic, powerful forwards in the game. One of whom, as you wrote today in today's paper in a great piece, is basically Leinster's kryptonite or has been Leinster's kryptonite in the last couple of years and has dominated these, these, these this you know, a, a group of Irish forwards not dissimilar to the one that's playing on Saturday. So, look, I, I, I think Australia are a bit of a swing. They're on a bit of a seesaw team. They kind of go week to week. You don't really know what you're going to get from them. They've run the All Blacks coach to beat the Springboks. They should have beaten France in Paris. Um, at the same time, they've lost to Italy. They got hammered by the All Blacks in another game. Their, their England series was fairly tight for most of it. So, um, I think they're going to bring. They're going to cause Ireland problems on Saturday. Um, but they've terrible discipline, and Ireland will know that their attacking rook is. They don't really seem to resource it very well. They get turned over quite easily. So, I think they're all things that Ireland will be watching and tapping into. And you know, not to overplay the conditions, but if it is windy and rainy. Um, and it looks like it could be quite windy and rainy on Saturday night. You would imagine that plays into the Irish hands as the home team, um, and that probably makes it a bit more of a lottery. But still, like that, you know, you, they could beat in the World Cup semi final or something, and it could be similar conditions somewhere in France. And they got to, you got to play those games. So that, that's a, we've had two dry days so far, which is pretty good for November. So you got to play all the conditions as well. So I think it's, I, I find this a really fascinating battle. I think it's going to be a really interesting one. Um, 
And I think Australia probably have a stronger bench than Ireland, but Ireland probably have a stronger 15 than Australia. And your score prediction? Oh, that's is that not exclusively revealed in Saturday's paper, Will? Um, well, who will I'll, win then? I think I think Ireland will win, but I think like I just can't believe the 13 point spread. Maybe I'm, I'm mad, but like Italy beat Scotland by a point. They lost to France by a point, and they lost to Italy by a point with a much changed team. I don't see them being 13 points worse off than Ireland on any given Saturday. Uh, Ireland by five. Well, thanks so much to Rory O'Connor for joining us. Sinead Kassan will be back after the game with a podcast recapping Ireland versus Australia. In the meantime, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. So until next time, thanks for joining us and goodbye. This is an Irish independent podcast.